say I appreciate the, uh, the young people, amen, for uh, amen, their participation and amen, being part of this Bible study that we've been doing, amen, tonight is um, the last the last portion of this <coughs> particular study that we've been doing on the days of Noah uh, in I trust again that uh, you have uh, received some uh, knowledge, some revelation, some insight, some uh, information, some tools to be able to, uh, amen, to get in the Word of God and to study. Um, excuse me, kind of give you, you know, how, uh, you know, these studies and the things that, you know, I know that, you know, you, you of course, see how that. Uh, you know, I break down a message and as far as, you know, preaching a message and those kind of things. But you can kind of get an idea from the studies, the way that uh, that is just how the Lord has me approach the word. And, you know, looking at the word and, uh, you know, context, I say it a lot. Context is vital. Um, it's important. You can't build, uh, you can't build anything on a single scripture um, because, of the way that the Word of God was written, because of the way that the Word of God was set out. Uh, you know, it, everything from Genesis to Revelation connects. So there's a connection. So if there's one scripture uh, there that, uh, especially a scripture that uh, that holds power, that holds, uh, uh, you know, as far as uh, a living and guidelines, you're going to find that somewhere else in scripture. You're going to find that a connection, and so there's a reason why things were said the way that they were said, amen, uh, in the context. It matters who the audience is. It matters who's being spoken to. It matters who was being written to. It matters uh, understanding that as you're reading it. It matters, uh, you know, a lot of things get lost in translation from uh, the original manuscripts in the Word, and so, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of, uh, of interpretations. There's ancient Jewish wisdom. There's things that are not the uh, the Holy Scriptures. They're not the authoritative Word of God. But history uh, and those uh, those understandings make a difference. They were written based on uh, again the the culture and all of those kind of things. So all of that together. Uh, you know, brings everything together, and you know, I know I've told you before that, you know, in, in the years that I began, that the Spirit of the Lord led me to, uh, you know, to study the Scriptures from the Hebrew and to really dive into the language and to really uh, apply myself and my life to that. The Word of God has just come alive for me, um, and it truly is life. And so there's uh, there's there's a lot of uh, of things in there that. You know, growing up and even in my early adulthood that I would look at scriptures and I would say, that doesn't make sense. Or I would read one scripture and then read another one uh, similar to it in a different uh, book of the Bible and it would seem to contradict itself and those kind of things. And, you know, we just kind of blow it off that, you know, well, the Bible is the truth. And so even though we don't, that really don't make sense or that seems like it contradicts itself, you know, God is God. And at the end of the day, that's true. He is God, and we've got to trust Him. But He doesn't want us to uh, to not have that understanding. He doesn't want us to not have that clarity. And there's a connection there. And so 
once you start making those connections, uh, and I just only went out to say this, serving God just makes no sense. It makes more sense to not follow, you know, why would you not follow after <coughs> God and, and live your life according to his word. So, uh, again, I didn't need to get off on that rabbit trail, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of life in the scriptures. And, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that there's nothing you're going to go through or encounter that, that there's somewhere in the scriptures you're going to find some kind of answer to that. And I've done it. And, you know, we think, again, you know, hopefully you see a little bit of insight in the study that, you know, the things that are happening in our culture, and our society, they may be new to us, but they're not new. They're not new things because, you know, things were taking place back in uh, the time of the scripture. So, you know, the, the original manuscript, uh, those the ancient uh, uh, manuscripts, they, they make a difference. And so it, it helps. Uh, it helps. So hopefully you have gained some things from that and some uh, some understanding. I know several of you have reiterated that to me, and I'm appreciative of that. Always, always thankful. Uh, if you, when you feel like saying, "Hey, that was a, a blessing," I appreciate the word. I appreciate that. Uh, that's always an encouragement for any minister, but especially a pastor. Um, and so, you know, I, I've had, uh, you know, there's been a few that have expressed interest in us continuing. Uh, kind of this format for a while on Thursday nights as far as a study. And um, so, you know, I don't know if that's something that the majority of you would be interested in. Um, and again, I've got, um, you know, having a few people come up to me, you know, I've had a handful and, and some of that handful has done it several times, uh, you know, and came to me and, uh, you know, saying, and I've got some uh, some studies that you know I'm kind of throwing around uh, in in my uh, in my mind. If that's somewhere that you know the majority of you you know your your attendance, your support, and all of that. You know, I know again Thursday nights are always different, but um, you know if that's something that would be appreciated, I don't mind uh, you know doing that and, and being able to. Uh, do I believe that preaching the word is vital? It's essential, but I also know that teaching the word and learning the word, knowing how to apply it, and discipling you—this is discipleship. Do you understand that? You know, we, we we talk a lot about deliverance and those things. All of that is essential, but discipleship is very relevant when it comes to uh, post deliverance and it comes to uh, you know walking in your relationship with Christ. I wish that I would have had more of that as a uh, young person growing up in church. I didn't have a lot of that, um, and not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying that I didn't. And so, you know, I, I, I think it helps. A lot of people are always saying, you know, how, I, I want to know how to study the Word of God. I want to know how, you know, and we've done some things on Sunday morning about, you know, doing that. So I do have a couple uh, of, of ones that are still in the book of Genesis that, you know, that we can dive into that, uh, again, will, will become relevant to, you know, to where we are, to understanding uh, the spiritual warfare, to understanding how things got to where they were. And here's what you got to understand about the Word of God. The, you know, there's a scripture that says that the end is in the beginning. So when Genesis was, was taking place, 
God already had revelation in mind. You know, he already had all that is in the word in mind. And so you're going to see and you will, you know, you'll be able to see that that a lot of what is in the New Covenant, the New Testament, and even in prophecy and those kind of things was in the beginning. You know, God had all of that in mind. And so, you know, you'll be able to, to see. So there is there is a study that uh, that we could do. And again, both of these are still in the book of Genesis. Uh, just because, you know, you get to the beginning and those things are, uh, are, are important and uh, well, I think they're uh, revelatory as far as understanding the context. But uh, one would be specifically uh, concerning the Tower of Babel and um, how that God's people got to that place and what, uh, what transpired there. There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of spiritual Warfare. There's a lot of demonic manifestations that took place, and demonic spirits and things that were active um, that took place during that time. Uh, you know, leading up to the Tower of Babel, uh, and you know when God uh, confounded the language and people began to separate. And you get into um, it's you know, and I'm I'm trying not to talk so much, but you know you you, you get into uh, the different cultures and the different skin colors and the different shapes of eyes and the, the, the way that uh, and how that evolution is a real thing but not in the way that it's taught uh, you know in the school evolution is a god thing things evolve and and you know environments and atmospheres and things uh, created uh, the need for people's uh, people's skin and just a lot of different things and so you'll see where a lot of that, you can see where a lot of those things come and they begin to make sense, you know, uh, it, and, and it's not just, you know, people evolved and this happened and that happened or we just take it for granted. And it, it truly shows that we're all one blood. It doesn't matter what color our skin is, we're one blood. One blood. And it takes one blood to cleanse us, redeem us, and make us a fit subject for the kingdom of God. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, you can see in that. And then there's another one that uh, focuses a lot on Adam and Eve, and in the beginning gets into uh, the concept of relationships and even gets into marriage and uh, those kind of things and uh, the godly things. So there's a couple different things that will be at the forefront of my mind that we could do, um, that we could definitely dive into and continue to study, uh, being that tonight is the, the end of uh, the study of the days of Noah. Uh, and so, is that something that a lot of you would be interested in? I'll preach to Jesus comes title, you know. It ain't, it ain't about that. I, you know, uh, actually, it's easier to study for a message than it is to, you know, to, to sometimes gather all of this and bring it together. So, um, you know, again, I've had several people, um, you know, say that the, the, the benefit from that. So, just something to, uh, to think about. I'll let you know on Sunday. Uh, you know, where we'll be uh, for next week. But let's let's go. Sorry, I didn't plan to say all of that. Um, let's go to uh, just a quick overview of last week, uh, what led us up to where we are tonight. Uh, again, if you haven't been here, uh, every one of our of the, the lessons are on our YouTube channel. You can get on that um, and you can listen to them on podcasts as well. Uh, but, but get on there, and I encourage you to do that. 
uh, and you can uh, bring everything together. So uh, just a quick overview of where we were uh, last week and what we talked about. Uh, go ahead and pull up our text. That's been our main text for this whole study, it's Matthew 24, um, verses 36 through 39. The words of Jesus. Again, the disciples asking Jesus, um, how are we going to know? Jesus talking about Matthew 24 is, is, is a very uh, famous chapter speaking about the coming of the Lord and the signs of the times. And the disciples were asking Jesus, how are we going to know this? You know, when, when, when will we know that this is happening? Jesus said, but of that day and hour, knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came, took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, let me reiterate that uh, somewhere in the midst of uh, of everything that's that's going to take place. I believe judgment is already being poured out. I believe that we're already seeing uh, God. We're seeing Elohim, God, the God of judgment. We're seeing that uh, because it has to be. It's not because God's angry or uh, necessarily uh, this certain uh, culture of people deserve it over these people or that. It has to be. It's part of what has been spoken and prophesied. So just like it was in the days of Noah, God went from the God of mercy, Hashem, to the God, to Elohim, the God of, of judgment. And so even the 120 years that Noah built the ark, he was he was spoken of in the scriptures as Elohim. So judgment had already began, right? Because the ark was being built. But there still was 120 years. So I believe that, you know, the picture's being poured out we talked about that on Sunday morning with the new year. I believe the picture's being poured out. Severity, I think, I believe that's why we're seeing things. We are seeing, uh, where was it? There was earthquakes. New York, right? New York, just in the last week, there was some earthquakes there that registered uh, on the scale in New York, and they felt it. So, you know, we're seeing all of these things that have been uh, taking place and all of these signs. Somewhere in the midst of that, God's going to catch away the church. The church is going to be taken out of here. And after that, then no one is going to be able to escape what is going to be released. And the vials, the book of Revelation, things are going to be opened up and poured out. Scrolls open, a lot of different things, you know. And so there's not going to be an escaping that. So now is the time to get your house in order tonight. Because we could be taken out of here. Soon, like tomorrow, you know, I believe that that the possibility of that is very real. So it, it's 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 the time to get your house in order. And when I say your house, I'm talking about this house first, and then of course your 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 house, uh, you know, your home, your your tribe, your family, uh, because it's happening. It's going to happen. I'm telling you, the things that are taking place with the United Nations in the world and the government, the things that. Uh, they have set up the connections that are being made uh, with the one world religion, the Pope, uh, 
things are changing, and you know, the Catholic religion is one of the, the biggest religions in the world, um, and you know, they're they're lowering their standards. Things are changing. There's connections with this Pope that is making with government uh, leaders, and this this you know, this whole climate. You know, I know it's like oh, Lord, can I'm telling you, that's part of the world setup. They've been working on this, and they've got a plan, and they've got an agenda. It's literally called an agenda. So all of those things, uh, these mandates and things that are happening, I'm telling you, hear me. Take me serious. It's happening. And we're on the, the verge uh, of things. So life's never going to be the same again. And, 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 you know, it's been shaken up and, and, and shook up since 2020 with COVID. And um, it's just not going to be the same again. So be ready. Get ready. And, you know, that's what. That's what God was trying to show the people in the days of Noah, right? Those generations of Noah that you got to make a change. And he said, my spirit will not always strive because flesh can't last. He just can't. So, you know, last week we talked about benefit and responsibility, right? Uh, you know, God just isn't this lifesaver that we call out on when we're drowning, when we get in trouble and we call out on him. We've got to... We've got to put our trust and our faith in his word and what he says and trust him to take care of us in our times of trouble and in our times of confusion and in the times of the storm and the floods. We've got to put our trust. Faith is one thing. Trust is another level. You can have faith in God, but when you trust what he says, then you're putting your faith into action. You can believe till Jesus comes, but if you don't act on that belief, you're not trusting him. Trusting him is trusting him is what got Noah in the ark. Noah trusted the word of God. He trusted what God said. He had faith in, in the work and the actions, but he trusted what God said. And so we've got to, that's why faith without works is dead. Works without faith is dead. So, you know, you've got to put your faith into action by trusting. And so you've got to, you've got to put it to the test. That's why we're going to be tested. That's why we're going to be. We talked about Noah facing adversity, right? His sons facing persecution. They were literally born in the hundred years during the time that Noah was building the ark is when he birthed his, his, his boys. But he made them sons because he trained them and they took his standards and his morals and they lived them. So we know they suffered persecution. And so we're going to see it. We're going to face it. We're going to realize that it's going to be. So we've got to understand that God's just not somebody we call on and reach out to when things get so bad that we're going under. Right? right? We, we, he's a preserver that will keep us and save us from going under. And we know that and we trust him. And so what we do is we live our life reflecting that. We live our life according to the boundaries that he said in his word. The guidelines, it's his blueprint for life. And we live inside those boundaries, not because he's trying to restrict us, but he's trying to keep us free. You know, we get restricted when we step outside of his bounds because then his favor and his hand is off of us. He doesn't have to bless us. Mercy keeps us. Grace saves us. There's a difference. By mercy, we're here today. Grace, we're going to be saved. And so, you know, we, we got to see that that in the scriptures, and we've looked, as we talked about last week, as we've looked in, <laughs> in, in the story of Noah, the scriptures and the series of events that really reduced the world back to chaos. It literally just 
the world just declined and they went back to that state of chaos. And so we talked about how we cannot separate benefit from responsibility. If you're going to walk in the blessing, you have a responsibility to live according to the blesser's commands. You've got to live according to the covenant if you're going to reap the benefits. Okay, we remember the days of Noah. Again, people were, were thinking they could, they could get money, they could get wealth, they could get the benefits uh, from working without doing very much work. Same as what's happening today. You cannot get something for nothing. You have to work for it. We have such a spirit of entitlement. And sadly, it's carried over into the body of Christ. To where people expect the function of the church to keep them healthy. And that's not the plan of God. That's not the will of God. Okay, so, you know, we talked about you can't separate the benefit and from the responsibility. And so we see evidence, we've, we've seen it now in the scripture, there's evidence of the consequences of a society that separates the two. And this is where we're at today. This is where our culture is today, except it's, it's at a greater uh, magnitude and there's more opportunity and uh, there's just a lot more people that are living it and doing it and expecting it. And so, real quick, pull up Genesis 6.11. Uh, I'm trying to move on. I'm talking too much. Uh, it said, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. We looked at the word violence last week in the Hebrew. Anybody remember what that word is in the Hebrew? Hamas. Yes. Hamas. This is, look at this. That should be familiar for today. Hamas. Okay, that's who is... Uh, that's the terrorist group that is against uh, against Israel, against God's people. But this word, it means violence, but it translates to mean robbery or theft, to strip away. And so when, we, when, when, when the scripture says that the earth was corrupt before God, it was filled with violence, it was filled with robbery. People were trying to, people were stealing, they were taking from others because they felt they deserved to have something for nothing. And so, uh, you know, we see that that was taking place. Then the very next scripture, uh, verse 12, says, God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So we look at, at this and then we see all flesh, all Basar, had corrupted his way. So they were literally, uh, and, and the, the ancient Jewish wisdom teaches that this verse uh, is, is talking about sexual immorality. And so explicitly, even back in the days of Noah, remember there was rape and violence and the taking of women. They were taking them as wives because they felt like they could. Uh, the, the men who were elite, the men who were uh, prominent were taking uh, you know, the common uh, people's daughters and they were marrying them. And they were having children who were being raised without fathers. And just a lot of this was taking place, right? Going back to where we saw all of that in the days of Noah. And so sexual, sexual immorality had reached such a place that there was no limit. The bar was not set that if it felt good and it felt right, then you did it. And it wasn't about uh, per se uh, uh, any kind of 
gender preference, which gender is man-made. God created sex, male and female, not gender. Gender is a man-made scientific thing, but it wasn't even about feeling like you were gender. It was about satisfying the lust of the flesh. And so that meant if it was with a, a man with a man, then so be it. Ancient Jewish wisdom teaches that this verse goes into that men were marrying men in the days of Noah. So this is nothing new today, okay? God's not taken by surprise. It's just we've made it legal now. Now it's legal, and there, it's, it's nothing that is uh, uncommon. Now, so God, think about this. God is looking at the earth, right? And he's seeing this, and he's like, I can't. Something's got to change. I'm going to give them, I think it's pretty gracious to give them 120 years. All right. That's a lot of time, man, to say, I'll give you 120 years to change. <laughs> okay? And so, so we see this happening. Uh, and, and what is, of course, we talked about, what is the best possible way to have the benefit of sex without the responsibility of raising children, but to be with the same sex? Right? No greater way to separate that, to, to be able to, to satisfy your flesh without having to worry about any responsibility of, of raising children or taking care of children, okay? Think about it. That, there's, there's, there's no better way to do that. So, you know, that's kind of last week in a nutshell. The whole benefit uh, about separating the benefit uh, from the responsibility. You can't do it. It's the same thing. If you sin, there's a consequence to sin. You will reap what you sow. You cannot separate the benefit and the responsibility. You cannot do it. Now, our culture, our society, our world has done that, but it's not. That's not God's plan. And, of course, you're seeing evidence, and you're seeing the consequences of that. Now, it is nuts as our world is. Can I get an amen? Our world's nuts. Seriously, people who aren't even, don't even love Jesus say the world's gone crazy. They, the world's gone bad. They're, they're just, they've lost their mind. So now we're going to look ahead tonight. Um, we're going to kind of wrap this up. We could talk a long time about a lot of different things and, and break down things, but to keep everything conclusive and everything, uh, you know, in the area of relevance, uh, uh, let's look ahead to now after the flood. We know that the, the ark rested on top of Mount Ararat. Uh, the waters, the Bible says in the King James, they assuaged. Or they uh, they receded, they dried up, uh, and Noah was the ark was up on uh, the the mountain. Now remember, remember according to the mentions of the scripture, the ark was like a square, a big wooden shoebox. It wasn't round like that. So think about that big wooden square box resting on the top of the mountain. Right, pretty cool, isn't it? Supernatural, uh, and and the provision. That God made. So, you know, we, we, we could go into the story of how Noah, you know, released the, the dove and released the, uh, the raven, the dove, and all of those things. The dove came back, you know, and with mud and all that stuff. We're not going to talk about that in this study. So now, now we're to the place to where the, the earth is now ready for uh, Noah and uh, what happened to that? That was all. They went out. I went back. Yeah. Okay. Um, don't mess with me. Um, 
So now we're back to where it's time to exit the ark. So the flood's over. And so now let's look ahead to uh, after Noah gets off the ark. And God provides Noah with uh, laws by which the generations to follow him should live. Now, let me explain that these laws are not found in the scripture, but um, these laws are found in the Talmud. Now, in case you don't know what the Talmud is, I've mentioned it uh, before, but the Talmud, and this is a Hebrew word that means law, um, it means instruction, sorry, turn the right slower. I know I'm not a very patient writer. I still worship things. Sometimes I get an interpreter. That says law. Does that look like law? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> so the Talmud means 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 law. Not necessarily law is in the Torah, but instruction, as in uh, to follow by, to study, uh, that kind of thing, or to teach. Even more teach than uh, than necessarily law. So, uh, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, because Torah is law, which are the exact laws. Uh, So, but this is kind of just instruction, teaching. Uh, It means to study. But uh, the Talmud is recorded documents. It is written uh, documents that are the rabbinical interpretations of the law, and also biblical interpretations. Speaks of customs and history. For the Jews, this is second to the Bible. So this is their this is their next best thing to Scripture for them. Okay, because it is it is uh, so it's, it's like a commentary. Why we have a lot of uh, a lot of you use commentaries right, when you're studying because you know Matthew Henry is a, a very popular one, right? Dakes is, it has a lot of commentary. So it's something that uh, how someone sees and interprets. But understand that this is from the rabbinical perspective. So everything is from uh, from the Jewish understanding and, and with the law. So in the Talmud, uh, these there are uh, the laws of that they, that God would have given Noah, and these are called the Noahide laws. Okay, I've talked about these before, and if you study, uh, you know, even even Christian. Um, study. We'll talk about uh, Noah laws as well. But there were seven Noah laws um, that is believed that God would have given Noah uh, for the generations that followed him after he came off the ark. Those uh, seven laws would be do not deny God or don't worship idols, kind of the same thing. Do not blaspheme, meaning do not curse God. Do not murder no adultery or sexual immorality. This would include incest, homosexuality, fornication, no theft, no stealing, no eating the flesh of a live animal. And that doesn't mean you don't eat. That means you don't eat an animal while it's still alive. Okay? So you don't cut the flesh off of a live animal and then eat it. You don't eat, you eat the animal until the animal has been killed. Okay? So that's that was that's what that is one to make sure you understood that it wasn't that they couldn't eat meat. And then the last one would be established courts or a legal system to ensure obedience to the law. 
And so these were the seven Noah laws. And so keeping that, uh, you know, that understanding in mind and then looking at, uh, again, so there were seven of those. So uh, looking at that from that understanding, and again, with the Talmud teaching this, uh, and then looking at the generations that followed uh, after Noah and his sons and their wives and his wife came off of the ark after they exited the ark, uh, we can see that, uh, my point being is that that proves to be insufficient guidance because as the civilization began to grow, right, because things began to happen. This is where we get into what I was talking about uh, to the people of the town of Babel. Uh, and, you know, you start getting the, the earth is being filled with people again. And people are beginning to live their lives. And people are beginning to uh, worship. And people are beginning to do things. Uh, again, it, it all, right, it all just, it goes back. So, uh, as you see the civilizations begin to grow, uh, we see that God had to call Abraham to guide his people a little bit more specifically. So even though they had these seven Noah laws, uh, you know, don't deny God, don't worship any other idols, you know, don't blaspheme, uh, don't steal, don't uh, don't murder, don't have adultery or sexual uh, immorality, uh, you know, all of those kind of things. So all of that being there, uh, it still wasn't enough. And so much so that we know he later gives Abraham's children if you will, the Ten Commandments and other guidelines. So God uh, God lays it out, right? God makes them aware that what you're doing is sin. And it's separating you from me. So I'm not going to destroy the world again, but I'm going to, I'm going to set up a system, right? I'm going to set up a system that, that if you follow this system, that it'll make you worthy to come before me and to, to us to keep a relationship. Of course, we know ultimately he sent Jesus to fulfill that, but he set up the system, right? And it had to be by blood. There had to be the blood sacrifice. So again, uh, you know, there had to be other guidelines. So uh, does, that, does that raise a big question? And I mentioned this last week as we were closing. Uh, why did God give Adam and Eve so little guidance? You know, um, why didn't God just give Adam and Eve the Ten Commandments just from the, from the, the onset? You know, why not just say, okay, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, you know, this, thou shalt not this, right? Stay within those guidelines. I think part of the answer to that question would be that uh, having walked and talked with God himself, Adam and Eve needed fewer things spelled out than the later generation did. Adam and Eve walked and talked with God. And so why would they need? He gave them all on their birthday. Right. But but he could have gave them, he could have gave them all of the commands. You know, everything set it out from the beginning to where those generations that followed them could have had those things. But he didn't. You know, they walked and they talked with him because uh, they could have asked him anything. And and so this is why you and I have to keep our relationship on a personal level with God through Jesus Christ, through our fellowship, and through communion with him, through prayer, 
and through reading the Word of God and through having daily communion with Him. Because when you stay in His presence, things don't always have to make sense. Right. Because His presence is peace and hope and joy and healing. Mm -hmm. And so... So, you know, I think part of that answer, again, is that they, you know, they walk and talk with God himself. But, you know, after going through this study, we can see now that we have a greater benefit by looking into the lives of the generations following Adam and Eve up to Noah. Because now, say they would have had the commands and those laws, and they maybe, there would have been more people that would have followed that. We may not have been able to look and see the things that we know and see now. And pertain that pertain to where we are, that we can compare to the days of Noah and the time now. So we can we you know we can we can have a greater benefit of them missing that by looking at uh, you know it's, it's that kind of thing. This should tell you what not to do. <laughs> Don't do this because if you do this, this is going to be the consequence. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of that that's kind of that thing. So. Um, have you ever had anybody ask you if um, you thought that someone had to believe in God in order to be a good person? Have you ever anybody asked you that? I can't say that I have in that in that manner, but uh, you know, think about it. You know, there are there are generous, <coughs> good, decent, good-hearted people who are not religious. Some of them are even atheists, but they're good-hearted, right, decent, generous, giving, um, may even be atheists. Just as, just as there's no shortage on church-going people who act in ways that are immoral, unethical, and contradictory to the scriptures. Right? There are church going people that act contrary to what the Bible says. We're seeing an exposure of a lot of that right now in the in the church world and the church culture. But uh, so just as there are generous, good-hearted, uh, you know, uh, people who aren't religious who don't go to church, who may even say they don't believe in God, there's just as many people, church-going people, who uh, are do things that are immoral, unethical, and completely contradictory to the Scripture. So, are there moral atheists and religious creeds? Sure. Yeah, that's true, right? There, there are atheists who are moral and religious people who are just creeps. <laughs> That's no other way to put it. Try to be nice about it. Like, you know, so that we don't have to repent. But that really isn't the correct question. I'm, I'm, I'm asking that for a reason. Uh, because any individual, and, and I think you'll agree, any individual has the free will to either be wonderful or creep. They have the free will to be morally good, generous, or to be immoral, uh, unethical, and just a creep. So 
Everybody has the free will to be one or the other. So here's the thing. My entire life, and, and, and I say that in the context of me, my entire life is not made wonderful by one wonderful person and in an entire society of creepy people. Right? Let me say that again. My life is not made wonderful by one wonderful person in, a, uh, in an entire society of creeps, nor is it made creepy by one creep in an entire society of wonderful people. Because it's my will. It's my choice. It's my free will. So the real question is, is what's going to happen to the crowd of people over time? What's going to happen to a lot of people uh, over a lot of time? That's what we should be concerned about. This is what we need to see and what God was really, uh, what God is showing us in the story of the days of Noah and why Jesus would say, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when I'm returning. And that's where we are, okay? We're there. We're in those days. So, uh, you know, what would happen to a lot of people over a lot of time. That's the concern. So really the correct question should be, can a society that abandons God remain moral? Can a society that rejects God, can a society that rejects his word, can a society that abandons the, the boundaries that God has set within his word for living life morally and ethically, and, and truthfully, and in our, uh, and even further, righteously, can, can a society truly do that, that abandons God and leaves him out of the equation? That should be our real question, okay? That's the, that's the correct question. So, uh, and then even more importantly, can that morality be passed down from one generation to the next? Do you believe that you can pass Moral code, I'll say it like that. Do you believe that you can pass morality, moral code down to another generation? Yeah, yep, I do. Sure we can. And then there's proof in that, right? If, if, you've, if you've been able to, uh, to get into the study, there's proof of that in the story of the flood of the days of Noah. You know, morality can be passed down. That's why you can't let status quo decide how you raise your children. You cannot let justify allowing your children to follow the world because they are because it is the minority, because you can pass that truth on down to them. Raise up a child as they should go, and they will not stray from it. You 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 put that in them, you teach that to them, that it's never going to leave them. I'm not saying they're not going to act like a heathen. But that truth is never going to leave them. That's right. So, can humans on their own decide on a set of laws or a code that will allow societies and a nation to flourish? Can 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 humans? We uh, are are uh, are our, our, our humanity in all that we are, even as intelligent and even as uh, advanced and even as. Uh, prosperous that we might be, can we really decide on our own uh, on a set of laws that's going to allow, that's going to decide that a nation or a society 
uh, is going to flourish. Now, the first Sedra in the Bible, which is the first portion, remember what a Sedra is, that first portion, uh, the first Sedra in uh, the Bible, uh, with all of the illustrations and examples uh, of a deteriorating society, uh, answers that question, and that answer is no. No, a human cannot set the laws that is going to, uh, on their own, that's going to allow a society or a nation to prosper. And we're seeing evidence of that even today because Amen. these man-made laws that have been put in place are doing what? Flushing us down further and further and further. We And, and, and let's be real, we, we've seen that in the church over the years because man has made denominations and rules and regulations and theology, theological notions that have been set in place that are not God-mandated, that are not scriptural, and people have failed. People have walked in destruction and defeat and chaos because they cannot fulfill that. Why? Because that's not God's will. That's not the guidelines that God has set. So, uh, what do you think would be the first law uh, that uh, they would come up with? What would be the what, what do you think that you know would be the first law? Think about it. You know what might be the first law that uh, they would come up with if they were making their own laws? Um, I'm going to just I'm going to use uh, do not murder. So let's let's look at that. Uh, you know, don't answer that question. Really quickly, though, I want you to think about it. Uh, but for me, when uh, I, I, I thought about it, uh, you know, do not murder. Define murder. Okay, so does murder include taking the life of an unborn baby? How about when that baby is on its way out of the womb and could survive on its own? Or how about when a weak old baby who has a deformity and will eventually die young anyway. What about that? What about the life of a, of a sick elderly person that's maybe being fed out of a tube? What about that? Uh, how, how does that, uh, you know, uh, there are many prominent, intelligent people who think all of the above is fine. They think all of that is okay. Okay, they, 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 they don't, they don't believe that that is the definition of murder. Okay? And we can even go back to, uh, to the, the Holocaust and, you know, uh, the people that killed Stalin, the people that killed Lenin, uh, and the other communist leaders. You know, these were evil people, right? These were people that were uh, definitely evil people. What did they say? They said, killing these people would be for the greater good of society. Now, you got to remember again, you know, the Nazis intended to save the world by killing millions of innocent people. So, uh, you know, thinking about defining the law. So, you know, that's why I said don't answer quickly because if you, you know, if you would say, well, I would say, you know, do not commit fornication. Well, what's fornication? You got to define fornication. Who says what fornication is? Right? We're talking about man making the laws. We're talking about man <coughs> saying 
the laws that would allow a nation or a society to prosper. So it all depends on how they're defined. That's where we are today. The world is defining what's good, what's moral, what's right, what's wrong. That's why the Bible says that in the last days they will call what? Right, wrong, and wrong, right? Because man's ways and the flesh have gotten in there. Uh, so, no. Smart people will never know not to murder. Because their de definition of murder is, is based on their own thoughts. And what they feel like is for the greater good. And some of those things that we mentioned, they feel like that it's for the greater good. You know, and, and particularly, uh, you know, the smart people, since they convince themselves how moral it is to kill those that they consider undesirable. So we're talking about, again, we're talking about, you know, uh, do not murder. Again, you got to define murder. So that's that's the issue now. That's what that's what is happening, you know, on the, the floors of our Senate and Supreme Court is somebody's trying to define what all of these things are. And so now we got laws that are defining what is murder, this isn't murder, in this case it's not murder, in that situation it isn't murder, in this position it is, and in that position, you understand what I'm saying? And that's a result of separating benefit from responsibility. That's a, that's a result, again, going all the way back to the root. So, uh, you know, we see proof of, of specifically that with murder because one generation after the creation of Adam uh, and Eve, Cain kills his own brother Abel because he feels justified in doing so. No laws set out. There were no laws that said do not murder. Right? Because in Cain's eyes, it was justifiable. Are you with me? Is that, are, is that making sense? I'm trying to bring this together and, and, and bring a conclusion here. So, you know, we can't be so confident. You know, we might think, I know, you know what? People know what murder is. Do they? Do we really know? The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us we can do it spiritually with our tongue. That our words can kill a person's morale, a person's integrity, a person's reputation. Come on. Our tongue can murder. It is a, it is a very dangerous weapon. So, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, we can't be confident in saying that uh, that man or that Cain had, uh, that it was ridiculous that Cain had to be told, hey, what you did was wrong. God had to tell Cain, your brother's blood is crying from the ground. And now for the rest of generations, blood must be avenged. Right? So God had to tell Cain, you would think, you know, a, a person in the right mind should know not to kill their brother. But it's not so ridiculous to think that God had to tell Cain, what you did was wrong, buddy. And now there's a price to pay for that. You've got, you, you've got something that you're going to have to pay for that. So this is why there are laws in place to define. But again, 
We're talking about, you know, moral, uh, even even immorality economically, immorality sexually, right? Because you know what? Let's face it. Through this study, and if you look at everything right now in the world, the root of everything. Sex and money. Lust and greed. People will do a lot of things for money. And they'll do this for a lot of reasons. They'll even do this for this. And they'll do this for this. They'll, they'll gamble their hard-earned money They'll spend 300 to win 40. That's stupid. Economically, that's ignorant. <clears throat> and then you have to ask why the lottery is unethical. I'm a Christian. Should I gamble? No. This should answer your question. Okay. I'm not throwing anything out. I'm just saying. The bottom of it all. Look at everything. Look at our, look at our media. Look at our, 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 our entertainment. Look at the secular world. More and more on the stage. You know, we're past lyrics. Lyrics is all about this and this. Explicit. We ain't gonna talk about cussing. Okay. And I'm going to talk about, you know, let's get away. <laughs> because I have a study on that too. If you want to do it, and um, and you should, shouldn't cuss. If you're a child of God, shouldn't cuss. I'm saying, okay, it's not, it's not, it's not pretty. Let me say this, young people, cussing is lazy talk. When you have to cuss. Instead of thinking of actual words, you're lazy. It's lazy talk. It's lazy talk. So learn some words. Okay? Don't just throw off that every other word is that. That's lazy talk. Okay? God give you a brain. And God give you intelligence to not talk like you don't have any sense. Because that's what custom sounds like. Especially from a female. So I get asked, so I might as well say it publicly. I get asked a lot, you know. So just sit it out there. Anyway, where were we? Yeah, everything you look, everything is rooted in this. You know, our our entertainment world. You know, it's it's not a matter of what should I cover up. It's a matter of how much do I not have to wear and get by with that. You know, grinding and 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 making sexual gestures on the stage and on stuff. It's it's sickening, but it's a it is a picture of where our culture is, and we're so desensitized to it that a lot of times we don't even notice it. 
it doesn't even it doesn't even register as oh my god did you see that right whereas ten years ago it would have been like now it we don't even it doesn't even stand out you understand what I'm saying so at the root of it again when you look at Sodom and Gomorrah you know there was a lot of uh, of, of, of gluttony but there was a lot of, of lust. And it was also greed and, and, and money. And it wasn't just sex. It was, you know, it wasn't sexual, sexual immorality. There was greed and there was uh, just a lot of things. And so, again, at the end of the day, that's the bottom line. And that's what you see uh, in that. So, you know, people, so it, it seems that, that, you know, people can't agree that murder is wrong since they can't agree on what murder is. So we're just going to fight about whether it's right or wrong because we can't decide the definition for it. But God gives us guidelines in his word. So without the Bible letting us see the consequences of actions that take place between two or more consenting adults in the privacy of their own home, like Lamech and his two wives, right? Would we even see our own where our own would lead us? We wouldn't even see that. Without, without the Bible letting us see the consequences, would we, would we be able to see that on our own? Would we be able to say, you know what? That's not a good thing. Without the Bible showing us the consequences, again, what two consenting adults do in the privacy of their home, as Lamech did, taking two wives for the first time, and starting a generational trend, a generational spiral, as he did that, we would not even see, we would, would we even see that on our own? I don't think we would. You know, the children of Israel didn't realize what they were doing was sin until God gave them the commandments. And the reason they became his people is because they said yes. That's why they were chosen people, because they responded to, yes, we will let you be our God, and we will be your people. And by that, we will follow this covenant. We will stay within the bounds of this. So without the Bible letting us see that, so my point being is that that had, had God maybe given that uh, out there, it gives us, it shows us that God gives us free will. And that God allows us, and even when we have the guidelines, we still don't do it. Amen. Right? Amen. Because we have free will. So without the first few chapters of the Bible... Would we even be able to see clearly that minor wrong sexual decisions or wrong um, economic misunderstandings or misinterpretations would lead to sexual and economic immorality? No, I don't believe we would. I don't think that, that, that we would really see it. And I know that maybe a lot of people don't see it. A lot of people are like, well, what happened in the days of Noah? All it says is they were eating and drinking and giving, you know what I mean? But again, hopefully you got a better understanding of that. And so the thing is, would we understand that God's default status is chaos? That's the default. That's God's default position is chaos. Would we even understand that? So, you know, one of the great revelations in uh, in the first Savior is the clear understanding that chaos comes all by itself. You don't have to do anything to, for, for chaos to come. 
It's what you do that either pushes it back or allows it to happen. If you don't do anything, if you put no effort to resist, chaos will come all by itself. Because it takes a great amount of effort and it takes a great amount of energy to resist that tendency toward chaos. It takes some work. Serving Jesus means you pick up a cross and you follow after him. There is accountability. There is responsibility, right? You have to push back. Remember that, that, that jar of marbles? We, we talked about it. And, you know, that still hasn't gone back to that original pattern that I had in that very first lesson that I had it all set. It still hasn't gone back to that. And, you know, we shook it that first time and we didn't really notice all, a big difference. But then you shake it again and again and again and you just keep shaking it. And then it keeps happening and you just keep shaking it. And it gets farther and farther and farther and farther and farther away from that original pattern. This is where the world's at. This is where the world was in the days of Noah. This is where we are at. That, that so much shaking has went on that the original pattern has really uh, faded out of view and uh, without even taking them out of the jar and starting all over again. Because that's what you would have to do, right? You would have to empty it out and start all over again. So it's easy, the more times that you shake it and you get used to it, the original pattern fades out of you. And that's where we are today. We've gotten so far away over the past two or three decades from God's moral code, from God's guidelines and God's standards that we don't even really know what they are anymore. Faded from you. And they've been, right, it's been accomplished that, that, that the teaching of them has been taken, what? Out of school, out of education system, out of society, out of culture. And sadly, there's even, there's even parts in the church. And I, I feel like I'm criticizing the church, but I'm not. You know, that's not what I do. But my point being is that you know, that we've gotten, there, there's, you know, there's been a shortage of truth in the word. And so we've got the way to where people don't even know. I've had people ask me questions concerning sin and the word. And you would think that it would be a no-brainer, but they legitimately don't know. They legitimately don't know. And I'm not talking about 12, 15-year-old kids. I'm talking about grown adults. And they're like, that? The Bible teaches that that's wrong? When there was a time when those things would have been common knowledge. You didn't even have to speak things out loud. No matter where you went, most places in the United States, there's always been those cities and those states that have been, you know, right, more off the, 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 the edge than others, more edgy. But typically speaking, you could go anywhere in the United States and 
their, their understanding and, and a lot of moral codes and stuff were just there. You didn't have to speak it to where it's not that anymore. That you have to, you go into somebody and you gotta ooh, cover yourself with oil and clean the blood. Because <laughs> you're walking into a den of, of demonic forces, right? Because there's such things there. So, uh, you know, so the question is, can a person be moral without God? Sure they can. They can be moral without God. There's people that, that live good lives who aren't in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the Bible unequivocally teaches that you have to be born again. Yep. Right? You can't just be a good person. You have to be born again because there's none good. No, not one. Like the Father, right? So, you know, yes, you can. Can a society that abandons God's definition of morality pass on goodness to their children? Yes, they can. I would like to think in our crazy society that I've done that. You've done that, right? Pass on goodness to your children. So it's possibly that we may be able to. But here's the thing. Once that source of morality is totally abandoned, the chances are very little that goodness can last more than one or two generations. And that's where we're at today. That's where we're at today. It's, it's, it's because the, uh, the, the definition of morality, the, um, the source of morality, which is what? God. God's the ultimate source of what's moral and what's good. So when the source of that morality is totally abandoned, then the chances of that lasting more than one or two generations, and that's where we're at, it's past. Now, um, everybody knows who Albert Einstein is, right? Crazy guy, but smart. Uh, you know, he realized that space and time go together. Now, when I say space, I'm not talking about our space. Okay, let's get that set. And he made this quote. He said, space by itself and time by itself are doomed to fade away into a shadow, but only a union of the two will preserve as independent reality. And you say, why are you talking about like that? Why are you saying stuff like that? Because we all live and we all need to live keeping in mind that space and time are important keys. Again, not space as in outer space and what your definition of outer space is. What the, there's space, meaning the people around me now, and there is time. The people determined to occupy the space tomorrow. So there's space, which are the people around me now, and then there's time, which means the people that are determined to occupy the space around me tomorrow. Okay, so... so the people that are here and now occupying that space need to have the, the, um, the economic heart and soul or that, that viability, that, that, that oomph in order for there to be a tomorrow. Because if you don't have it today, guess what? Tomorrow's going to be affected by that. You're going you're to do it. So, so if you don't serve God today and you don't live today according to the word of God, 
tomorrow's going to be affected. Now, I know we got grace and we got mercy. I'm, 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 I'm talking about I'm talking about understanding. That's why we need to raise children so that there will be a tomorrow. This is why the enemy wants to wants to take the children out. This is why as long as a child is born, there's hope for tomorrow. Right? Doesn't doesn't mean that why would you bring a child in this crazy world? It's, it's, it's when a child is born, that means there's space tomorrow. That's going to be what fills the space tomorrow. And so if you if you take care of things the right way today, then you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Even in a world of craziness. Even in a world of chaos. That's why we can say within the bounds of, of truth and righteousness and justice. Okay, so, so you know, money is, is that which, you know, we use to get food and necessities. And then there's sex. That's what we're talking about, right? You're like, you say that word an awful lot. Well, it is what it is. And the kids are coming in, I'm not done saying. <laughs> so, those are the benefits, right? These are the benefits, but there's responsibility that goes with these benefits. That's why everything is this, because that's the benefits. And there's responsibilities that go with those benefits. So, you know, but without the guideline, people like you and me, we're going to be tempted to pursue money, or let's just say food, food or money. We're going, to, we're going to be tempted to pursue that with a minimum amount of work. So without the guidelines, we're going to, we're going to be tempted to pursue this without the, with the least amount of responsibility possible. Am I right? Are you with me on that? Understand that? Of course, you know we got to go here. If we went there, we got to go there. Everybody knows what there is, right? We'll seek that. Then we'll seek this with a minimum commitment to tomorrow. Because if we can do this without any responsibility, who cares what happens tomorrow? It's not an issue. So we want the benefits without having the responsibility. You can't go to heaven without having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Our world says everybody goes to heaven today. But they don't. They don't. Everybody doesn't go to heaven. There's a responsibility for that benefit. And you must be born again. And if you're born again, then your faith is going to show it, right? There's going to be action and it's going to, there's going to be a visible difference in that. So, we would, without the biblical guidelines, without these rules, and without all, whatever you want to call it, without these things that God has set in these boundaries, we would pursue these things with the least amount of accountability as possible. So, the natural and the inevitable default for society is going to be chaos for their destruction. That's what's going to destroy that. That's where we're at today. That's what is destroying this world. Okay? It's not climate change. 
It's sin. Sin is destroying this earth. And it's, it's, it's doing it quickly. So, we've been given a, a divine blueprint for survival. But listen, both today and tomorrow. So we've been given a blueprint to survive both today and tomorrow. That's why Jesus said, if you are in me and you put your trust in me, you don't have to take thought of what you're going to eat, where, tomorrow. Because if you do right and you follow the guidelines, everything you need is going to be there. And if you're going to do it, do it ethically, do it responsibly, do it in honor of God, do all that you do for His glory, right? No grumbling, no complaining, help us all, right? Understand that. And again, we got grace and mercy and all that stuff, I'm not laying that out, but I'm, I'm trying to understand that that we have a blueprint for survival both today and tomorrow. But listen, not only to survive. Look at your look at somebody beside you and say, you're not just a survivor. But also to thrive. See what I'm saying? Not just to get by. Oh, just might get day by day. Bless the Lord. Just get through the day. He did not give us these guidelines for us just to survive, but also to thrive as long as we resist these bodily and emotional impulses. As long as we stay submitted, surrendered to the Holy Spirit, to the Word of God, we will thrive. Are you with me? He said, I would that you would behold your mind, your body. And your spirit. Behold, Jesus didn't die for us to be halfway transformed. Okay? He didn't suffer for us to stay disconnected. Okay? So the Bible can reside in each and every one of our hearts. Can be our guide to lead our footsteps and our path. And, and to do what? It's going to lead us towards joy, peace. Happiness, prosperity, and a right relationship. But not only with God, but with people and society. He will lead us to a right relationship with Him, with our family, with our friends, and even in society. So the same guidelines, okay? Hear me. The same guidelines that teach us how to live out this joy and peace and righteousness will prepare us for eternity through salvation. So, by salvation, these same guidelines that lead us to joy, peace, prosperity, and a right relationship, and in righteousness, that will prepare us for eternity, only come through salvation. And then the Holy Spirit will empower us to walk with the guidelines to ensure that we remain justified and qualified for the reward of eternity. It really is simple. It really is a no-brainer. I know it ain't easy, but it ain't hard to process. The, the, the system is not hard to figure out. Serve me, draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. 
Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge me in all your ways, and I will direct your path. And I'll go with you all the way, even to the ends of the earth, from one end of the earth to the other. I'll be with you. That's how mercy keeps us. That's how mercy follows you. See, what happens is that there's, there's, and there's some of you in here that I know you struggle and you feel like that your works. But you understand that when, when works becomes the focus of your relationship, you're pursuing mercy instead of letting mercy follow you. You're looking for mercy when mercy is new every morning. And if you are putting your faith and your trust in God, he said, mercy and goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the household of the family of God forever. It will follow you. So that when you fall, that if you fail, mercy is already behind you, ready to pick you up. Ready to remind you that you've got grace. And all you have to do is repent, wipe yourself off, and keep moving forward. So when you focus on whether you're getting it right and that's what motivates you, you're seeking mercy, and that's not the will of God. Mercy should follow you. It will follow you. And so there's something wrong with these two things. As long as they stay within the bounds of God's word. God doesn't care a bit for us having stuff. He doesn't care a bit if you have a jet plane. He doesn't care a bit if you have five cars. If you have three houses, a, a boat, and a, you know, vacation home in Florida, one in the Caribbean. He doesn't care a bit as long as that stuff doesn't have you. If that stuff has you, then there's a problem. Because there's nothing wrong with blessings as long as you're staying within the bounds, and somebody is going to get the overflow of your blessing. If you're that blessed, somebody's going to feel that blessing. That's the will of God, right? So God doesn't have an issue with those things as long as we stay within the bounds. Listen to me, young people. That's why you do not fornicate until you say, I do. Until you are in covenant with a, a, your spouse, you do not. Don't go there. And if you can't stay away from that, don't put yourself in a position for that to happen. Separate it. Oh, it's hard. It might be hard, but it ain't possible. But the benefits of doing it are out of this world. Because if you've been in any of these of these of this study, there's consequences to that. There's consequences to doing that. And so, again, that's the, that's the power of the Word of God and the boundaries. It's not this set of do's and don'ts. It's this set. And again, I think I said it last week. If we would focus on on the do's instead of the don'ts, the don'ts wouldn't be an issue. If you look at all the liberty you have by walking in Christ and the freedom that you have, man, I'm telling you. Because the other side 
is bondage. So, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for your attention. I know, again, the past two uh, weeks have been kind of like just bringing things together in summary. And I know I didn't tend to get off on tangents, and I apologize. Not because of what I said, but because of getting on the tangents of doing that. But it's, it's, it's relevant. We need to understand that, you know, we, we, we need to please the Lord. I want to hear him say, well done. I want to be able to know that when I lay my head down, that all is well. That all is well. And so I encourage you, we're getting ready to begin our 21-day consecration fast beginning Sunday. I encourage you. I, th I, I feel like that this year we need to press harder than we've ever pressed. We need to seek to get into the secret place and the intimacies with God and our relationship <laughs> with Him on that personal level more than ever before. And so, again, thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for your attention and uh, for your uh, attendance. And uh, again, trust and I'll let you know someday uh, what we'll wear and what and all for that. So we appreciate you staying with us. I know the kids are up and uh, they're antsy, but thank you again. If you have not been able to be here for the studies, I encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel, take a look at those. Um, and um, take some notes and kind of give you the context of some of the stuff that we said Amen. tonight in conclusion. So we're going to blast these shofars. Don't forget, Sunday we'll be here at uh, 10 o'clock. Thank you for joining at 11 o'clock worship. Back here ready to worship the Lord. Amen. We're going to blast the shofars. Lift your hands on honor God. Give him a big shout of praise for all that he's done tonight. God bless you. We love you. We appreciate you. Amen. So this, I know we're in Ohio, and then we're talking about a couple different scenarios for weather, and of course it's Saturday and Sunday. So just just be on the watch for any kind of alerts or anything, should anything weather-wise try to affect us coming for service on Sunday. So just want to throw that out there. God bless you.